All right, good evening, everyone. First, let me say what a uh, blessing and privilege it is. I love Sunday evenings. I mean, it's just a great opportunity to, you know, hear all the prayer requests and to hear everyone pray for each other or for other people that many of us have never, never met. And, you know, I know that you guys know this, but, you know, the opportunity, having the chance to pray is something that is one of the great privileges of the, the Christian life. Every time that we pray, we have a chance to go before the Lord. We have an audience with God and the opportunity to know that we can speak with him and that he hears us and that he's attentive to our, to our needs. You know, in, in talking about prayer, I was helped a couple of Sunday evening services ago where Pastor Kyle was uh, talking to us and encouraging us to consider how we pray for one another. Um, and in particular, he was suggesting that we pray through a psalm to give some of the prayers that we have a little more, a little more depth. And that helped me quite a bit. And I hope uh, tonight in the next 10 or 15 minutes or so that we have another opportunity to consider how we pray for one another as we're going to spend some time looking at a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for fellow believers in the book of Colossians. And so if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. So this prayer that we're going to be looking at is part of a section that begins in verse 3 and goes all the way through verse 14. You may notice in your Bibles that there's a heading there that reads, Thanksgiving and Prayer. Um, so the first part of this is verses 3 through 8, and that's Paul giving thanks. And then it ends with his prayer request in verses 9 through 14. And I'd like for you to keep those two groups or sections in mind. So we have Thanksgiving in 3 through 8 and then request in 9 through 14, because we're going to kind of move back and forth between them a little, a little later on. But we'll begin by reading the entire passage here. So hear the word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now there's a lot of things that we could observe about this particular prayer and the way that the Apostle Paul prays. You know, in this, in this book, we learn later on in chapter 4, verse 3, that Paul wrote this letter uh, while in prison. So his prayer was intercessory. He was praying for believers that he had never seen, he had never met. Um, and then again, in chapter or later earlier, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, we see that Paul was consistent in his prayer for the Colossians. In verse 3, he says, we always thank God. And in verse 9, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you. 
And so we could go on probably in great depth about intercessory prayer, about consistent prayer, or perhaps about several other observations. But in our time tonight, we want to look particularly at verse 9 and hone in on what his specific request was for the Colossian believers. So in verse 9 he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, noticeably absent from his request are many of the usual things that we, and myself included, are prone to consider when we pray for others. So the Apostle Paul doesn't focus on material things or financial situations or even physical health. In his prayer, he's not primarily concerned with comfort. Instead, Paul's prayer, main primary, his primary request and concern here is for the spiritual health and growth of those that he's praying for. So the thrust of Paul's prayer request for the Colossians in verse 9 was in two parts. First, that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And second, that they would live in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so when we think about the first part of this, the knowledge of God's will, I think it's, it immediately brings to mind a couple of questions, right? What is God's will? Um, how can we know God's will? These are, I think, obvious questions. Um, and, you know, I don't mind sharing that as I was preparing for this and thinking about having the knowledge of God's will or praying for the knowledge of God's will for, for other believers that I, I struggled a little bit to put it together. You know, my first inclination was to go to the entire New Testament and look up everything that the Apostle Paul had said about God's will. So I thought I might look up verses like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4-3 where, where Paul tells us that it's God's will for believers to live a sanctified life. Or maybe 1 Thessalonians 5-18 where we see it's God's will for believers to give thanks in all circumstances. Or even 1 Timothy 2-4 where we see that God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And he desires for everyone to accept the truth found in Jesus. But as I was going through this, the thought crossed my mind, literally in the middle of going through this, writing all these down, the thought crossed my mind that if the Apostle Paul had really wanted to give the Colossian believers a list, he probably, he probably would have. And so while I do think it would be fair game and a good exercise to you know, take a look at Paul's prayer here and then to um, see that he asked for the knowledge of God's will and to try to understand that and to go to look throughout the rest, to see what everything, see what the rest of Scripture has to say about that subject. I think that it's also possible that that exercise could cause us to miss a very important part of what Paul is saying right here in this particular section of Scripture. So if we go back and we look at what Paul is saying in the two parts of this passage that we talked about earlier in verses 3 through 8 where he's giving thanks and in verses 9 through 14 where he's making his requests, I think interestingly we'll see some repetitions there. So in verse 4 of the first section, the part where he's giving thanks, he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and then in verse 9 where he's making his, his prayer request, from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you. So basically in, in the second half of that where he's making his request, he's praying for the faith that he's heard that they already have, the Colossians already have. In verse 6 of the first section, we see Paul giving thanks that the gospel which has come to the Colossians is already increasing and bearing fruit in them and throughout the rest of the world. And then in verse 10, we see him pray again that the Colossians would walk in a manner fully pleasing to God, and his request is that they would be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then one more time in verse 6 of the first section where he's giving thanks, we see Paul give thanks and acknowledge that the Colossians had heard the gospel and in, underline on understood the grace of God and truth. And in verse 9, we've already talked about that he, he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and 
understanding. Now, by way of context, it's important for us to remember that this letter was written um, in part to combat false teachers that had begun teaching that faith in Christ was not sufficient. Instead, they taught that there was a deeper, a fuller, a more complete knowledge to be had, and that, of course, they had the keys to unlocking all of this, this knowledge. But I'm convinced that what Paul is driving at here in this prayer is that the Colossians don't need to search for some secret knowledge or a, a higher knowledge. They don't need to try to listen to or to search out any alternative facts. Instead, Paul is praying. He's been praying. He's been praying without ceasing since the day he heard of their faith that the Colossian believers would come to a fuller knowledge of what they'd already come to believe. And that, there, and that, that fuller knowledge would not be limited to just an, an academic understanding, but it would instead be an intimate knowledge of God that comes from his word and results in an ability to live a life full of wisdom that's pleasing to God. And, you know, the, the idea of intimacy in this knowledge is something that Paul didn't just pray for the Colossians. I, I ran across this passage and I thought it was important just because of the way that he expresses his desire for himself. So listen to what Paul says about himself in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the, righteous, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then listen to the intimacy here, the intimacy of the knowledge that he wants. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. And you know, this letter was written to the Colossians at some point between AD 60 and 62, somewhere around there. But times really haven't changed all that much. You know, this morning we heard of Daniel who was confronted with making a choice as a young man about whether to accept the wisdom from Nebuchadnezzar or to hold on to the truth that he had already come to know about God. And much like Daniel or our Colossian brothers and, and sisters, we are often bombarded with appeals to deeper truths, to new revelations, to supposedly scientific evidence, and to false gospels. And I don't, I don't want to discourage us at all from praying for physical needs or financial needs or just the practical things that we need in our lives. The Lord encourages us to bring our request to him. And I know that he hears those prayer and he, he, he prayers and he, he honors them. But I do want to encourage us to go deeper in our prayers as well. When we pray for each other, when we pray for others that we haven't even met, I want to encourage us to remember to pray for spiritual growth and for a more complete knowledge of the truths that we've already come to believe. You know, do we really understand how much God loves sinners? Pray that we would increase in our knowledge of God's love. You know, I know that we all thank God before meals, but pray that we would increase in our knowledge of what it means to be truly thankful. As Christians, we all want to please the Lord, but pray that we would increase in our grasp of what it means to be obedient and to live a sanctified life. Pray like Paul prayed that we would have a full grasp of God's will and that 
As we grow in our understanding, we would lead lives that are increasingly more pleasing to the Lord. You know, our time is escaping us here. And in closing, you know, when we pray for our brothers and sisters, when we pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, pray that our hearts would be aligned to Christ and that we would look to him. You know, I can't really think of a better response to the questions we asked earlier about how can we know God's will or what is the will of God than to point us to what Jesus himself said on this topic in John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. May we all increase in the knowledge of God's will by looking to Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are our provider. We praise you because through your word and your spirit, you provide us with wisdom and understanding concerning you. We are very thankful, Father, that you not only know us, but that you want us to know you and to have fellowship with you. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would help us to know you. Lord, we ask that you would help us to increase in our knowledge of you, and that as a result, we would increase in bearing fruit for every good work. We ask all of these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.